0: Welcome to Investable Partnerships, where we talk to industry leaders about growing revenue-generating partnerships. I'm your host, Des Russell, and co-founder of Partner Elevate. And the daily battle for partner success is forcing channel leaders to rethink how to maximize their relevance and value so they can be a driver of partner impact. So let's jump in and find out how. Hi, everyone. We're in uh, Denver, hey. Colorado, um, in Best Partnership Podcast, and we've got a special guest with us. Um, same hairstyle, um, different accent, um, but. Uh, I don't have an accent. Let's, let's, get, <laughs> let's get our guest, Vince, to uh, introduce himself. I'd love to do
1: that. So, Des, thank you so much for having me as a guest. So excited to be here. I'm Vince Menzio, I'm the CEO of Ultimate Partner and the host of the Ultimate Guide to Partnering podcast. And uh, great to spend time with you, my friend, in Denver at the Catalyst
0: Conference today. Yeah, it's uh, been a fantastic three days. We've spent three days in Denver. This is the second uh, uh, partnership conference that Partnership Leaders has put together. The last one was in Miami last year, and I think you and I were sitting in hundred degree heat, trying to have lunch, and yes. um, uh, that was uh, our first uh, meeting in the partnership. It was right? also working uh, together at mm-hmm. Microsoft as well. It's crazy, right? We our paths crossed at Microsoft, and then
1: you and I have been having like this phone. It's like meeting. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny. Like we're halfway around the world from each other, right? We're meeting at of all, all, uh, hours uh, for a couple of years now, and yeah. like best buddies. And uh, I couldn't be a catalyst last year because I was actually here in Colorado at a, at a wedding. So I couldn't be in Miami, which is where I live.
0: It has been so good. I think the Partnership Leaders Conference um, is really bringing together, uh, I think it was 700 people that we've uh, had here. And um, uh, from all over the world, I think 24 or something more something like that, different countries from all over the world. And it's really been a focus of bringing the partnership community together on this platform and um, community called Partnership uh, Leaders. Um, so we've had individual contributors, we've had uh, VPs, we've had partner managers, we've had a whole suite of uh, partnership operators um, coming together to learn best practice, to understand more about this world of partnering and also to try and help each other win a little bit uh, quicker and a little bit more because this partnership space is really a space that is having a huge amount of investments um, uh, by every single company, which every single company is a tech company. But Vince, you spend a tremendous amount of time working with the hyperscalers um, uh, that have a huge majority of this tech uh, this tech uh, ecosystem. Uh, talk to us about what are you seeing um, in that uh, particular market as regards to partnering. Yeah, so maybe it helps just to
1: share with you a little bit of this journey. So I I've had a career I've described it as four successful business transformations. Carried a bag in the early days of wireless computing. Did a turnaround where I built a channel. Spent almost a decade at Microsoft on the hyperscalers and got to work with both Steve Bomber and then Satya Mandela as CEO. And then went off on my own and started this journey as a podcaster. And so what really, i really been seeing has been this, uh, I would say, the increase in the importance of the three tech giants, the three hyperscalers, as we like to refer to them, and the fact that the amount of massive build-out and investment that it takes to build out these data centers around the globe the technology, the, the infrastructure, the networking, the software, the three clouds of software that reside on top of it. And now this generative AI, increase an increasingly important IP layer that they're they are they are now building into their offerings makes them more I mean they really are the dominant players when you think about this, right? Yeah. And we look at the independent software vendors, the SaaS community, really coming in underneath those hyperscalers in a way, not diminishing their importance in their IP, but they really are becoming more and more reliant on these three hyperscalers. So their importance is there. I talked about how to, how to best partner with them, take, how to take advantage of this massive opportunity. Between the three hyperscalers, there's over $200 billion in durable cloud budgets that they hold with the large enterprises and down market organizations. And so how do we, in the partnering community, take advantage of working, co-selling with, uh, aligning our products and solutions and offerings with and drive incremental benefit for our organization? So that was, that was what my talk was about yesterday. It was really, really great to be here sharing sure. what I would say uh,
0: these experiences from the years. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, we, we often forget in partnerships that they're... Uh, Partnerships didn't just happen in the last 10 years since uh, cloud and SaaS uh, started to really dominate how we deliver and buy technology. Um, we've had decades, yes. decades of it. Well, let's talk about your journey. So I know your experience at Microsoft, but how did you get into the partnership? Well, it's it's, it's funny. There's, uh, I ask this question on the Investable Partnerships podcast all the time, and you get such different answers. And I think... Not everyone's road to partnerships is the same, which is great. It kind of makes this community a community where people bring different perspectives and different ideas. So for me, my role in in getting to partnerships was really, um, I was in in the industry team uh, at Microsoft. Um, uh, Prior to joining Microsoft, I owned my own business and I was a Microsoft partner and um, my goal was to make sure that I got as much relevance uh, and mind share from Microsoft as I could yes. as a partner, right? So what do you do? You start to understand the economics of the hyperscaler and how they are, um, how they're compensated and who you start to build a bit of a map of key influences and you kind of start to build a bit of a game plan. Yes. And actually that game plan then starts to roll out into your sales and marketing and how you go to market. And, you know, we got to a point where we won the, um, uh, the collaboration partner of the year in Australia right. and through that, we built a product. We took this product, the product uh, got acquired and I started to work for uh, a company uh, that acquired it and we started to build the channel for this product. And it was just an, uh, an experience uh, here in North America as well. And it was an experience that kind of led me into um, uh, spending five years with that company and then going to Microsoft and then spending seven years in the channel at Microsoft. So uh, actually
1: it's a similar journey because I was in a Microsoft partner company. We, we had built the channel for it and and came up as well. What was that experience
0: like going from being with a, a smaller organization into the tech giant, it was uh, well. I mean, I've always been a Microsoft fan, um, uh, and it was it was kind of daunting, right? You know, when you when you you've joined an org and you've joined this organization, and you're like, you know, um, uh, you've got the three months of uh, enablement that's coming down the line, and all your compliance uh, uh, stuff that you've got to do, and everyone says to you. Don't rush to it. Ah, don't rush to it because you just want to get it done. And The reason they say don't rush to it was <laughs> you never get to the end of it. But <laughs> When you get to the end of the quarter and your uh, hiring manager's going, hey, um, I've got a couple of red uh, dots on my scorecard here around, uh, around training, you best get on to yeah. it. So, yeah.
1: I, I think that was the
0: one criticism of being internal
1: at Microsoft is we had so much that we had to do in uh, and not that Microsoft doesn't focus on customers and partners because they do. there's a tremendous amount of passion there. but there was just so much to do in
0: internally support. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know I think what really gave me a great perspective uh, and being successful in my role at Microsoft was actually I'd been on both, I was now I'd now had the experience of being inside and outside of the channel, that's right. And it actually, that really led me to starting Partner Elevate in, uh, three years ago in, in 2020, because I was now dealing with the SMB team, partner team, three and a half, four thousand partners. And I was looking at every partner discussion I had, I was looking at those partners and going, I know you, I was, I was you before. Exactly. And I can see the, the challenges that you go through in running your business. I can see that the challenges you go through into, in terms of prioritising what you need to do with, your, uh, with, with the vendors that you work with. They want your mind share. You want their mind share. Um, uh, they want your attention. You just want some help to get, that, get the business ahead. And, you know, the, the biggest uh, realisation was that I had something bigger to contribute to more partners. That started the idea of partner elevate, investable partner. It's funny that you mentioned that experience
1: because after I left Microsoft and I started the podcast seven years ago, uh, I was doing some amazing consulting work. And one of my clients was the largest software company in a particular market. we won't mention which one, but $1 billion, a billion dollar publicly traded company. And they asked me to come inside, and it felt really good at the time because they were doing a lot of great work. And I went back inside for two years after being at Microsoft. And uh, we received part of the year awards. So we were the top co-selling
0: partner in three industries, uh, and I was building this amazing brand and partnership strategy for the company.
1: Uh, and then things changed, and I became I became an employee of the CRO of the organization. I recognized the struggles. Right? We talk about like how do you get partnerships right, and, I, and this. I I left, and I won't say it was necessarily out of frustration, but out of a real burning desire to help organizations at scale to be more successful partnering. And that's why it's become my mission now. That like I want every organization to achieve the greatest results partnering. And I've made it my life's work now. To my ultimate desire is that every organization, the partnership role will be a leadership role at the C-suite of every organization. I'll be up and down the organization. Partner will.
0: Achieve its true place as being at least the major contributor or at least
1: an equal contributor to your on
0: function within the organization.
1: That's a really, really close alignment to
0: when you think about the Partnership Leaders Catalyst uh, uh, Conference here in Denver. It's really about elevating partnerships to have a seat on that executive table where um, it's. It's, it's, it's a function that is well-understood, well-funded and well-supported because it's really starting to take 30, 40, 60% revenue as a contributor to some of the biggest and largest uh, SaaS companies uh, in the world. So. At this event, there's been an amazing amount of uh, sessions that we've attended. Something that comes to, to mind was uh, the keynote yesterday from with, from with Stripe. As I said earlier on, the uh, the the chief partnership officer uh, at Stripe, partnerships didn't start in the last five years. Yeah. You know, she was the, the sixth uh, hire in AWS uh, in the partnerships team. Wow! wow. Uh, in 2010. Yeah. So it actually got me thinking. AWS, 2010, it kind of feels like it's not not too long ago, right? No, it wasn't.
1: In fact, I had one I had one colleague at Microsoft who left mm-hmm. Microsoft to start up the public sector business at AWS around 2010. Yeah, and uh, it was a startup. Yeah. It was a startup. And look at look at this eighty eight billion
0: dollars of cloud revenue now. Yeah. the numbers are astounding. It is crazy. Yeah. And in her talk. What really, what really resonated was the same challenges that partnership teams were facing 16-odd years ago, 13, or 13, 16 years ago, are the exact same challenges in a larger scale now. Yes. You know, you were dealing with hundreds of partners, now you're dealing with tens and thousands of partners. Um, there was a couple of vendors uh, out there that had partner channels. Now there's 9,000 technology vendors that have a through partner or two channel um, uh, business model and the, the 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 challenges are a bit uh, daunting sometimes so when you think about it from a ultimate partner what do you think are the the right principles that you should start to think about when you're trying to partner in an organization like
1: Well, so I've identified, this came out of the work, obviously the career, the long history of doing this, and then over 200 podcast episodes and interviewing people about what makes successful partnerships, when partnerships fail, why they fail. And so I've organized around a set of operating principles. Uh, I was a big fan of, we talked about Stephen Covey earlier, a big fan of Stephen Covey and the seven habits. Sometimes they're habits, sometimes they're principles. But I believe principles come first and tactics come second. We spend so much time on tactics. Tactics are very individual uh, yeah. to the type of organization, function, or what you're looking to achieve. But these universal principles I've organized around the seven, uh, start off with the internal victory. Like, how do you get your organization to achieve its mindset? Right? Get the executive commitment of the organization and align to a vision. And a set of operating principles and OKRs for the organization. You need to get that first, right? Before you lock arms with a partner, right? You're to lock arms with a partner, you need to get your internal uh, organization structured for success. And then trust always has to be involved. When you lock arms with a partner, trust has to be in the room. Yeah. Without trust, I, I'd like to either refer to it as the oxygen in the room or the lifeblood of partnerships. If you don't have trust, you don't have partnerships. You have a transaction. Yeah, uh, and then we move on to the other side and uh, effective partnering includes several components, but I've organized around like three sets of things that are fundamental and true. Maniacal focus, right? So once, you, once you've gotten your vision internally for what success looks like, and you've, you've uh, used that vision really to instill in the organization, or, or rally the organization around why we need to go do this. Then when you go to the other side to the partner, you have to decide, like, what's the one thing we're going to go do together? What's the thing that's going to set us apart? What is our better together? That's the vision for the partnership. And then organize your set of objectives and key principles and metrics that so you're going to drive against. that. Yep. But you have to apply maniacal focus to that. And I've seen so many times I've been in the room and, um, you know, we'll have a great meeting. We'll do a QBR with a partner. We used to do this at Microsoft all the time. And then i never hear anything about that partnership again. We'd all be high-fiving when we left. And six months later, I'm like, well, what happened with that partner? And nothing happened. Crickets. So if you're not applying an maniacal focus, and that is constant communication, that's uh, inspection of the data, inspection of the numbers, ensuring that you're aligning on are we good here? Are we green here? Those are all important to the success of the maniacal focus. Then, Brandon's story, like you talked about this, like the what's in it when you were working as a partner trying to work with Microsoft. Yeah. How do you show up as a shining quarter in the bucket? Shining quarters. You yeah. figured that out, right? Yeah. That's how you got successful. And that's ultimately how you joined Microsoft. But organizations don't do that. They try to be all things to all people. You have to that one thing that sets you apart. And I'd like to go back to the what's in it for me, to the Microsoft side. Like, why is Microsoft even interested in working? You need to define that very discreetly. Niche it down to that one thing that sets you apart. And then build that brand and story and then the next thing you go do is you have to go execute results, right? So start small, uh, and then you can build this operational model. Around it, but you have to start with maybe an account, maybe with a vertical market, where you think you can have the most attribution and drive the greatest result quickly, and then build your business from there, build your flywheel, and then come back to your brand and story because you're going to use that those results to say, this is why I'm relevant to you. I'm doing this. Yeah. And I like to organize around like, this is what I'm doing for you as my partner. This is what we're doing together jointly. Yeah. And this is what you're doing for me. And those three buckets, yeah. it's pipeline, it's revenue, it's number of wins, it's all the metrics that you're going to drive your business against. You do
0: that and you build this dashboard and you are of continually coming back to the data to to the data to the data yes i think that's been a a a massive learning from the partnership leaders conference here is as as leaders in the field how do we partner better and more effectively and one of the core themes through a lot of these sessions has really been quality over quantity yes um in partnering but then when we double-click on that and we go, well, what does quality over quantity mean for a partner who's partnering with you, is coming right back to that focus. And as hard as it, is, it's quite easy for a vendor to be really focused on what they want to do with their partners. Yes. Because they've got a strategy, they've got a number of OKRs or KPIs around particular um, industries or verticals or products. When we re- replay this to a partner who is not dealing just with one vendor, he's dealing with many vendors, is probably dealing with a business that is predominantly technology related, is predominantly, they might have a leadership team, there might be partners that are quite large and you know, GSIs, we're not talking about those, but those partners in small, medium corporate, um, large system integrators, The reality is it's so hard for them to be able to pick a focus because the focus is something that is challenging them across their business. Their focus is challenging their go-to-market. They need to niche down and not be everything to everyone. But the reality is they're really challenged with being able to get enough demand coming in from one particular vertical or one particular type of customer. That's
1: right, right. but you have to niche down have to niche down, you have to know exactly what your ICP, right, your MS4 profile looks like. Yeah. And you have to niche, niche down to it. Uh, and then coming back on this next piece, right, so once you've gotten all that greatness going on, you know this, uh, the seventh principle comes in, right? Um, I built this great business with Microsoft Amazon and Google. And then the tech giant goes and changes their business strategy, like they do from time to time, right? So you need to be agile, you need to apply agility as the seventh principle. And Microsoft just did this, right? They just basically said to all of the partner ecosystem, if you don't have, you don't have a transactable marketplace offer, you're no longer relevant to Microsoft. Yet. Yeah. And so all these ISVs, independent software vendors, SaaS companies, and even uh, systems integrators and channels, they now need to think about transactable marketplace offers first yeah. and build and change their strategy. So if you weren't paying attention, intuitively listening for those signals and that's why you need to have a listening mechanism with Microsoft or Google or Amazon. You need to be listening for that feedback you need to build your relationships internally. It all comes back to this, right? We talk about how you built relationships internally at Microsoft when you were a partner. I did, we both have done that since. And you need to have those listening mechanisms so you really have to intuitively know where you need to take your business. And that's where agility comes in to play. So you're not left, uh, I'm back for it, I guess is what I would say.
0: Yeah, yeah right. absolutely. I think, the, um, I, I think the, the most important thing that I would love to be able to see every partnership manager or every partnership-facing role is to really just have a, you've got to have this empathy yes. towards what you're actually asking the partnership to do. Because um, you are, you are asking for attention, you're asking for investment and you just have to make sure that you are going to get the results that you need before you start to invest that time, the energy and the resource. Where we go too far down the road is it's great to try things and it's great to take small steps uh, with your partners but yes. we've got to be really super clear up front about the overall objective of this partnership because that's got to really determine whether this is a go or no go uh, thing and in your experience do you think we're good at really being clear with partners what we want from them um, or do you think that we sometimes are blinded by what we're trying to achieve as an organization well that's a loaded question so <laughs> I think
1: you you struck a chord when you said empathy. And so often we're only, we're insular and, and thinking only about our own set of objectives. And this is where empathy needs and trust all come in. And I talk about mindset. I talked about mindset a little bit in terms of internal victory. Like we need to lead with mindset. And mindset is inclusive of empathy. Empathy is a component of it as well. And learning how to fail fast, and learn from those mistakes and moving on. And, but always having that growth mindset. Yeah. And to your point, like you have to, you might apply like this is what I'm looking to achieve. And maybe you're gonna learn with empathy that maybe what you're looking to achieve isn't exactly what the partnership looks, needs to look like. And so you need to be malleable in a way to course correct and make sure that you, and that's why the joint vision needs to happen. And that joint vision, you, you come in with your own vision, they have their vision, but then building that joint vision is where empathy enters the room. It's where you're having a lot of communication and uh, diplomatic uh, dialogue, but a dialogue where you're being open to conversation. Because you have to say, and this is where sometimes partnerships really fail. You don't always, people don't, they want to be so diplomatic that they don't say what they need to say. Yeah. And then they walk away from the meeting and they're saying, well, well, we're not going to get what we're going to get. So we're just going to disengage. Or they're just, they'll turn their tune oh, off. So the they partnership. Just, or they just go quiet. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And that's and that happens so. Yeah. Long. So you really have to look at. We, we, we can equate this to marriage. We can equate this to any really strong relationship building exercise where you need to have that continual, and constant communication and feedback. Two way feedback is just so important. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And it brings up
1: a brings up a really interesting point that I wanted to talk about, which is like getting back in the room and doing events, and that's why I'm moving what I'm doing into. Live events, because I do believe there is a craving, and it's why this event was so desirable to so many of us. That they doubled, almost doubled the attendance for this year from last year. It's because people want to have that communication. They want to have that two-way communication with one
0: another. They want to have that feedback. That yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you, you just ran an event uh, a month ago. Yeah, it was wildly
1: successful. We had hosted our first. Ultimate Partner Live, yeah. digital event, but it was a live digital event. We co-hosted alongside Microsoft. Had Microsoft sponsored it. We had several great executives tackle came On board as a partner, and uh, was wildly successful. And now we're going to be moving into doing live in-person events. The first one is going to be November 14th and 15th in Dallas, Texas,
0: at the Microsoft headquarters, and then think we're coming to Australia I think we're going to be doing something in Australia yeah we've we've had some good discussions uh, the last couple of days and I think that there's there is a massive appetite um, for this and we we would love to partner partner elevate and ask regards to partnering we would love to partner and bring something like this uh, to the uh, to the APAC region I can't wait I can't wait to come. Of course, I want to come to Brisbane, but
1: uh, Sydney is the kind of locale, and I, I've never been, so it's going to be an exciting trip. I'm,
0: I'm looking forward to doing this. With you. Yeah, no, it's going to be, going to be absolutely uh, massive, massive fun. Um, we've been trying to actually get together for a long, <laughs> a long time. Just do, just do something, just do something together. I think there's a, um, it's probably. I think this is the partnership world, right? When awesome. they, when when you have this alignment, when you you have um, uh, alignment on a number of different scales, on, on the way you think, the way you see the opportunity in the market, the way you want to address the opportunity in the market, and you leave space for each other, because in reality, there's a space for all of our thoughts, all of our frameworks, and all, all of our thinking yes. in the market, there's no one framework to rule them all, if you know what I mean. Yes. And I really feel from a partnering point of view, and this is what we do so well in this uh, partnership leaders community, it's all about winning together and your experience, my experience and the other thousands of partnership uh, professionals out there, um, there's, um, there's centuries Which probably gives a lot of our age away. There's centuries (laughs) of experience that we all really need to uh, need to learn from. And you know, I did this. I actually did a post about this on um, a poll, a poll uh, LinkedIn. And there's this as we craft this, uh, as we master our crafting partnerships.
1: I really feel that
0: there's these two dimensions that we are always trying to balance, and I actually see that. when we don't balance, or we're out of balance, we probably be, it's reflective of the results that we're seeing from the partnership. And the two dimensions are the art of partnering and the science of partnering. Yes. Oh my goodness. And um, <laughs> we're going to get philosophical here, right? So um, the to bring it home, the art of partnering would be: I'm at the beach, we're building a sandcastle. I've got. A couple of buckets, and I've got a, I'm got. am starting to build, build this castle up. Vince walks along, and Vince says, "Hey, there! That looks like a really good castle. I've got a bucket of shells. Would you like me to put some shells in here? Because I think it will look good. So you come and you stick the shells on there. I love and it. Um, we've now created something, but it's more. It's more great. It looks good. It feels good. You've helped me. You yeah. helped me build it. That's kind of the art." That's kind of uh, I think about the art of partnering. I love it because I live at
1: the beach. I so know you got me thinking <laughs> about being in Jupiter Beach.
0: But then what happens,
1: I think you were going to allude to this, is like a, if a wave comes by, it can blow
0: out our sandcastle. Exactly. Because it's only built on art. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, how do we think about the science of partnering? And uh, I've got another analogy Yeah, which I'm going to drop in. This is think about the, the science of partnering like Lego, yeah. Lego blocks. A really clear instruction on what to build. One, two, three, four, five. Five steps. You're going to connect it in this particular way, and you're going to build something that is a lot sturdier, can probably get used. It might be a Lego that's uh, a boat that you can run on the, uh, on the water um, uh, or something tangible, but you're building that empire, right? And it's very structured. And you can measure your results. You built it. There's no pieces left over. It's sturdy, and that's the science of partnering. Which is the um, ultimately we're looking to grow revenue. We're either saving the company revenue in partnerships, or we're making the company uh, revenue. And partnerships is making the company revenue, right? Yes, is it, is. it not?
1: It, without revenue, there's no, and that's why they talk about getting results, right? If you don't drive the results for the business, if you can't show concretely that there is additive benefit, you're you're uh, getting more. I like to use the term at bats, like I'm getting yeah. more opportunities. Uh, I'm increasing my deal velocity. In other words, it's quicker to close a deal because I have, whether it's a partner, a trusted partner who's influencing, or I'm one of the seven seats at the table, as our friend Jay McBain likes to talk at. Uh, and then my win, my close win ratios are higher. Yeah. Either because, uh, I, I've added more of a solution, I've layered in a complete solution, or the partner has a trusted relationship. You know, oftentimes organizations like about the, the Microsoft or another hyperscaler in that they have those executive relationships that maybe you don't have, where they can come into the C suite and say, this is a partner that we trust. Uh, and so the, all of those factors come in. So increasing, hitting your KPIs more effectively and hitting bigger KPI numbers over overachieving
0: KPI numbers are what partnerships are all on. And I think it's, it's, it's also, you know, you talk about executive buying and executive relationships. There's a lot of partners in every ecosystem that don't have that level of um, executive buying or, or, or they're not at a level of a uh, working with that vendor where they get the chance to sit down with the executive of engineering um, right. or something like that. So how do you think about the results from a, um, a partner that doesn't have the ability to show yeah. up in that particular way? does it just come down to the, the brass taxes of the vendor is looking for, let's take Microsoft as an example, yeah. they've got a solution partner program now the whole partner program and a lot of uh, challenge around that. And there's really three things they want to see partners do. Drive net new customer acquisition, get your technical skills and grow the share. And they've been really deliberate on what that is. And so showing up with those results elevates where you are positioned in how the rest of the organization sees you. That is how you start to build towards that credibility and trust that allows you to be positioned in that vendor or that hyperscaler to have those conversations. Would you agree, disagree? Is it, is it that simple? Or is there any other advice that you could give the rest of the partners that aren't a GSI or aren't a multi-million dollar organization to show up in front of a, a partner manager? So I think it comes
1: back to that one thing. I think it comes back to that being that shiny corner. What, what is Because, yeah, we talked about those three generalizations, right? But is there a pain? Is there something that you uncover that you can do differently, better and differently than anyone else? I think that, to me, is you're, differ- you're highly,
0: how you highly differentiated. Yeah. That differentiation uh, starts to show that leadership. That's right. And the differentiation is um, on a number of factors. Um, internally, how you viewed, in terms of, The value you unlock for a customer. That's right. Because I actually think that, like, that is in partnering. Why do, besides driving cost of sales down and everything like that, in terms of why companies build partner ecosystems, it's what is the additional value that you can add on top of this vendor's product? That's right.
1: And recognizing that the customer isn't just buying your one solution, they are solving for a business problem. And that's where, uh, and and by the way, they're going to look to their trusted advisors as well to help solve that problem. There's a consumerization almost that's happened in IT, and I talked about COVID and what's happened since COVID. Right? We have become uh, all of our buying behavior of three clicks on my phone and Amazon shows up with a box in 12 hours. Right? Uh, we expect the same thing in technology. And when you're buying, like, let's say you're buying a vehicle, like, what a Jeep. Uh, six, eight months ago. I spoke to several friends that had the same model, and I asked them for advice. Now, I, you know, I also talked to them. So, I, I think that they're, people are bringing a little bit more of their buying behavior yeah. as consumers into the room. So, I might be making a decision about your solution, and I'm going to ask the other vendors that I'm working with, what do you know about that solution? How do you trust that solution? You've worked with that organization before. What's their delivery capacity like? Not going to trust you as the sales rep calling you. By the way, I'm not even going to take your phone call. Yeah, yeah, but that's not all right. I mean, I might not even have a phone anymore. I am not going to respond to your email. And so that's your entry into the market, your, your ability to affect the decision process. And then also, I need to work with these other organizations because I'm delivering my solution, but it's not just my solution that the customers buy to solve the so That's why partnership, that's where the, the benefits of partnership. Building the trust, building the credibility, completing the solution, accelerating the deal flow—I mean, all those things.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so it has been good, and um, I we're think great conversation. Yeah, yeah, we, we can, can go for—we can talk for. We're going We'll all do it for. Right? We'll just do like a weekly podcast. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we're <laughs> going to do. We're to do more, and I think I, uh, I think the the opportunity um, to drill into a bunch of those principles that you. That you mentioned is something that I think the investable partner audience and particularly uh, your audience would absolutely love to. So um, we'll we'll make some time. So I like to do things a little differently, as you know, as you know Vince. So um, you're not going to ask me who the three seats in the different team. Well, no. That's my question. Uh, ab- absolutely not. <laughs> We've all got our own thing. Right? So um, we call this the partnership quick quickfire, and I'm going to ask Vince. And I haven't seen these questions
1: before, by the way,
0: no, just you letting never, me all No, you don't see the question So <laughs> it's um, how quickly, what's top of your mind when I say, I'm going to give you a couple of words, okay. and you just blurt out what's top of your mind. Remember, this is a rated show, so uh, no expelled expel Oh, okay. okay. And can I phone a friend? No, you no, cannot. Okay. There's no phone a friend. Okay. There's no phone a friend <laughs> uh, on this one. So we've got five questions, and then okay. we're going to wrap it up. Cool. Job. Okay. so. Um, If I said to you, partnerships thrive on? Trust. (laughs) That's easy. (laughs) Easy. (laughs) Uh, Partnerships embody?
1: Oh, that's tougher. Uh, Partnerships embody
0: one word? You can give a couple of words. Joint value. Love it. Through partnerships, you? Achieve your greatest results. Good tagline. Partnerships succeed through? Joint value. Love it. That's fine. <laughs> well done. I love it. Is, so much That's fun. Well it's so great, great to see you, Dennis. Yeah, lovely to see you in person again. Um, same here. Uh, hopefully, we see you down in Australia. Um, December, December, or something like that. December looks like yeah, it might be. It might be a chance to get you there. Might be there for the holidays. Yeah, it would be great. Yeah. so, uh, our audience, the Best Partnership audience, how can they uh, mm-hmm. learn more about uh, you and follow you? Um, where should they go and what should they listen to?
1: Yeah, so uh, Ultimate Guide to Partnering podcast on all channels uh, Spotify, Apple, Google, and your favorite listening platform. Uh, also, a YouTube channel. We're not using as exclusively, but we are starting to use it more now with video. And then the Ultimate Guide to Partnering.com or the Ultimate Partner.com or Ultimate Guide to Partnering.com will take you to our web properties. Uh, we have posted our Digital event, so people can go and sign up and watch that, as well as uh, look at our previous episodes. Sign up for our newsletter there. Uh, You also can sign up for our newsletter on LinkedIn. We have a LinkedIn newsletter as well. That's actually doing very well. Uh, Really, a great subscription for that. I love reading
0: that uh, once a week. It's it's really good. But Vince, thank you so much. It's great to have you on the show and. Look forward to uh, doing more of these with you. Des, so great to be
1: part of this journey with you. I'm so proud of you doing this podcast. We've been talking about it for so much,
0: so much time and uh, honored to be a guest. So thank um, you so much for having me. Thanks today. very much, friends. Catch you me. later. Bye. Thank you for listening to Investable Partnerships. Subscribe wherever you listen and visit investablepartnerships.com for the transcripts of today's show.